mini episode 1273 of the FBH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with my fellow original FDH Lounge dignitary, Chris Galloway. We are going piece by piece through the NFL this year, looking at all the divisions, doing our previews. This is part seven, the NFC South. And I will refer everyone back, as I'm doing at the start of all of these, to part one, AFC East, if you want to hear our macro-level thoughts on COVID-19 and how it will affect this season. And we devoted about a good 10 minutes to it because, uh, again, there's, there's a lot that falls under that rubric of the known knowns and the unknown unknowns and everything in between. But from there, we're just looking at how it affects the individual teams. We're not doing a specific breakdown on it for each segment, as that would be repetitive. So we come to the NFC South, and Chris, as I look at this here, my pick to win this division, and this is a team that I thought... Yeah, incorrectly, a year or so ago, I, I thought maybe that uh, they had reached uh, potentially what their peak was going to be. I thought that the constant heartbreaks were going to be too much for the New Orleans Saints, but they really kind of proved me wrong. Yeah, last year was another year they didn't make the Super Bowl, but uh, they've been consistently strong. And as I look at them, I think I almost kind of referenced this when I was talking about the Chiefs. It's uncanny that the Super Bowl wins were 10 years apart with the Saints and the Chiefs because... To me, stylistically anyways, you know, the Saints of 09 were a little bit of sort of the Chiefs of their time in one narrow way. A, an absolutely explosive, dominant offense that needed an, a defense to just be middle of the pack to be good enough to win. And that's what the Chiefs did last year. They replicated it. And for the Saints, that's basically been their formula all along. When the defense has been good enough to be middle of the pack, they are a threat to reach the Super Bowl. I think this is one such year uh, as the last couple of years have been. I think they can at least be middle of the pack, and the offense can basically carry them from there. But it's it's to me, it's kind of fascinating that it's the same formula that the Chiefs worked 10 years later, and it's one that does work in the league. If you can have an all-time historically great offensive season, then yes, a middle-of-the-pack defense is all you need. You're spot on with all of that, and I do have the Saints. Uh, winning this division just because I'm not convinced that, you know, Tampa Bay can <laughs> make that leap just like that in one season. So I'm going to go with the Saints at the top at 12 and 4, although I have real, real concerns about Drew Brees' arm strength and his ability in his age uh, to continue. In fact, I'm willing to predict this is his last season. Really interesting. Then uh, maybe they should have uh, uh, paid any price uh, if you want to go all JFK to keep uh, Teddy Bridgewater in the fold, although that would be hard to do uh, economically, I suppose, to, to juggle both of them. 
But uh, well, if, they, if, if if Breeze gets hurt for four games like he was last year, um, and they don't have Bridgewater, I mean they they have uh, obviously a great backup quarterback in Jameis Winston. So from that standpoint, they're going to be okay. Yeah, which is why I I have them at twelve and four because I don't expect Breeze to be healthy for sixteen games at his age. Um, Winston's going to sling the ball around. Him. Uh, and they won't miss a beat in that regard. So I, that's why I have them at the top, because they've got a backup there who's ready to step in. And look, uh, you know, that's why they brought him in, because they think that Breeze may be out of gas, and this is it, and this is your chance to bring a guy like Winston in and take a look at him and see if he's a guy you want to sign long-term. They obviously decided Bridgewater was although quality was somewhat limiting offensively, um, although they won every game that, that Bridgewater had to start, um, they had to change what, what it is they want to do. That said, um, you've got Kamara, you've got, you've got Michael Thomas, you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. Until, until proven otherwise, I'm not moving off of that. So for that reason, and again, I actually think the defense will be a little bit better this year than it was last year, and um, the Saints will be 12-4, and four and they'll win the division. They will edge out uh, top Benny. Well, you know, I look at it here, I talked about it in a previous segment with Philadelphia, about the great coaches being able to adapt schematically. In Philadelphia, it was when we were talking about the offensive line, with New Orleans, it's the Drew Brees arm strength, which I don't disagree with. But uh, And again, I understand that Bridgewater uh, got significant snaps last year, but uh, so he some of this was on his watch. But Michael Thomas had one of the great all-time seasons at wide receiver last year, doing a lot of damage after the catch. They basically have sort of compensated in terms of this offense. Now, Again, as we saw in the playoffs, when Drew Brees is going to have to go vertical, that kind of creates some problems sometimes. So it's not like it can't come back to bite him in the ass, but they've already sort of compensated for that a little bit within the framework of the offense. Oh, yeah. No, no, they, they have. And, and, and I think that, that um, you know, that's, that's why they're going to be good and why they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I think we agree on that. I got them at twelve and four, actually the same as you. And uh, it, I, at nine and seven, and this is south of where some teams have them. I do have Tampa Bay in there as a wild card. And I think again, people are looking at not merely Brady coming over there, but also I think the the Bruce Arians effect of uh, him coming in and uh, revitalizing a team as he did in Arizona. And, uh, again, the, the offensive skill position talent, especially now that, uh, again, it, it's so funny that, you know, from when we recorded our first, uh, one of our first segments we were doing on, on uh, Jacksonville, and just to break kayfabe a little bit, uh, the AFC was recorded on a previous day to the NFC ones, and uh, we were referring to Leonard Fournette being there. Leonard Fournette by this time in Tampa Bay as uh, Tony Khan Apparently, um, and uh, Shad Khan must have heard me saying that the Lions could go two and fourteen, so they decided we better try and go zero and sixteen and cut Leonard Fournette. Well, one team's uh, <laughs> trash is another team's treasure, 
And, uh, you know, again, this Tampa Bay offense just absolutely loaded. I know you were probably snickering a little bit when Leonard Fournette signed with Tampa Bay because, uh, as you've never been shy about reminding me, you've never been a believer in Ronald Jones the third. I, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't been the way you've been a believer in him. And, um, I, it's, you know, I think that uh, it's going to be a running back by committee approach this year in Tampa Bay. They have arguably the best wide receiving core. They add Hall of Fame tight end in Gronkowski, although we don't know what's left in the tank there. He should be better in the first half just because his body will be rested. Um, but there's a lot to be, you know, sort of question marks. Um, and, uh, you know, they made the nice additions on the defensive side of the ball for a defense in the last six weeks that you could argue last year that was the best defense in the league. So um, they've really come on. And I love what Bruce Arians has put together there. And, um, you know, I, I I have to tell you, you know, um, and, and, if, and, if you, and if you recall, when he was leaving Denver, I was a huge Shaq Barrett fan. Yes. I wanted him. I wanted the Browns to sign him. Um, the fact that he signed that one-year deal with, with Tampa Bay for, I mean, it was like pennies. Uh, I, I, I was so disappointed that the Browns didn't bring him in. And I mean, what did Tampa Bay sign him to? Like $3 million? It was something silly right. in that one-year deal last year. And I thought, my God, we have the capital. We could have given this guy $5 million bucks and brought him in. And he had an amazing season, proving me right. Um, so I, I just, I love, I love where this team is going. They're going to be a playoff team at ten and six because the roster is there. And look, this team, this team was competitive with Winston throwing, you know, eight hundred million interceptions. Tom Brady's not going to do that. Now he's not Tom Brady at forty-three years old. Um, and, and, and here's my other shocker. I also believe this will be his last year. Um, I think he's, I am in the Tom Brady is done camp. His arm is not what it was. I don't, I'm not buying the, oh, he looks great in camp. He's got the arm of a 25 year old, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think this is the Breeze Brady showdown. This division, and for both men heading to the Hall of Fame, it is their last year. That'd be fascinating. And uh, I have the Bucks going ten and six and getting into the playoffs. And I'm not making playoff uh, predictions, but uh, you know, with Tom Brady and that experience, you can't catch them out because Bruce Arians has loaded that roster with playmakers up and down the roster. Right. Well, and, and you had said about two years ago on the show, I'll give you credit, you were the first one that I heard talking about potential signs of the Tom Brady uh, tail-off coming. And by last year, we could all see it. So you were ahead of the curve on this one. I have to bring up uh, something here. Uh, I have to lampoon our FDH golf editor, Mr. Flatstick Tom Denk, uh, who I'm in a fantasy football league with, uh, a, a guy who, with all due respect, does like to, uh, you know, he, he always tries to outthink the room to comedic effect, 
So about three years ago, he likes to do this whole strategy of corner the market on an entire team. He tried to get just about the entire Green Bay offense, and that was the year I think James Jones got cut by Oakland and went to Green Bay, and I had James Jones. And I'm not saying James Jones had a great year, but I was like, ha-ha, foiled, buddy. Well, last week he tried the strategy. He didn't get Mike Evans, but he got Chris Godwin. He got Brady. He got, yes, Ronald Jones the third, And I got Fournette. And I spent about a day or so being pissed off when he got cut the next day. <laughs> and now my running back has supplanted his running back. I did it to him again, Chris. None of these shortcuts ever work as trying to corner the market on a team. They don't work, and you can't draft your fantasy team that way. Um, I mean, the, and, and oh, by the way, the only way you can ever, the only way you can ever actually get an entire team together is if you go ahead and you're just drafting like the Jaguars. Right. <laughs> in every round, and nobody wants it. So, um, you know, if, otherwise, forget about it. So I think it'll be great. You'll be mocking him this year while and you've got the old man quarterback and the old man uh, running back back there. But I, I just, I love the offensive weapons all over the place with these Bucks. I, I just, and the defense is, is better than it's been in years for them. Um, I've got them at ten and six. Look, if they go, you know, if they go eleven and five, I won't be surprised. Right? Um, hell, if they win, if they win twelve and four, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I watched that defense the last six weeks last year, and they were for real. And if Tom Brady doesn't turn the football over, they're going to compete. Um, although I do worry that Tom, you know, you know that the father time is catching up. He doesn't have the arm strength. And we watched Peyton Manning just fall off a cliff. Right. And I think that, you know, I think Tom may, you know, despite all his efforts, and he's delayed it a few years longer than Peyton, I, I think eventually it's catching up with him. I just I just think this is the year. I think he's average at best. You know, he's sort of a, your 18th rated quarterback in the league. Um which is, you know, better than what the Bucks had. Don't get me wrong. Right. Better than what they had. So that's why they're going to be better. Um, but the idea that Tom's, you know, that some people are throwing around that, you know, as if, like, this is the Tom Brady from nine years ago. He's going to come in and, and the Bucks are going to go, you know, 15-1 and one or something. I mean, it's just, it's like, no, this isn't happening, people. They are making the playoffs. They're making a run. Um, and, and that's something to celebrate. You know, because we don't know what Gronkowski has left in the tank. We don't know what Adrian Peterson has left in the tank. If the Redskins thought that Adrian Peterson had a lot left in the tank, they wouldn't have cut him. Right. Um, I'm sorry, I took Peterson, I meant Fournette. I'm sorry. Yeah, Fournette. Um, Fournette. Fournette, they wouldn't have cut Fournette if they thought he was going to be, you know, worth a damn. Well, no, Jacksonville's so tanking. That's why they did it. Jacksonville's shamelessly tanking. I know they're tanking, but they also, I mean, Fournette hasn't lived up anywhere near to what we thought he was going to be. So, I'm sorry, and I referenced Peterson earlier. Yeah. I should have, should have jumped in on that. Um, I'm thinking Fournette. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Fournette is going to, he's going to help them in that running back committee, but, you know, what is he, what's, what is he going to be? Is he going to be the guy we thought he was, but he hasn't been yet? I don't think so. Um, so I, I just think the Bucks still have some question marks, even though they have a lot of talent. And, and I think they're 10-6, and six, second in this division. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. It is going to be. And uh, when you look at it here, 
Coming up next on, on my thing here, I actually have two teams with the same record. I'm going to take Atlanta first. I've got them at 8-8, eight and eight, which I guess is a spoiler alert as to where I have the Panthers. But as far as it goes with Atlanta, I mean, to my whole thing before about uh, saving a coach once you know, you've looked into the abyss, I don't look at it with Dan Quinn the way that I do with Matt Patricia because I'm really not sure that Dan Quinn deserved to be hanging into the abyss last year. They got off to kind of a tough start, but it, but again, I ascribe more of this to the cap management that the Falcons have had and the fact that they've had to move to more of a stars and scrubs system over the last couple of years since they made the Super Bowl. And that it's been a little bit harder in terms of the uh, the talent level that, that is on this team. And uh, that is the main reason that Dan Quinn hasn't made more of an impact as a defensive coach, which after all is where he was expected to make his primary impact when he came to the Falcons. But I look at it here like, again, 8-8, eight and eight, I, I think that, you know, in, in the toughest division in football, because I have more wins in this division than I do in any other division in football, I think holding your own, staying in the playoffs until pretty much late December, I think that's pretty good for where the Falcons are at. I look for another strong year from Matty Ice. Uh, at the very least at running back, what you've got with Gurley is, and, and I don't make too much out of the whole homecoming angle as far as playing college ball there, but politically in L.A., there was only so much you could really do to rest the guy because of the contract. He's not under that contract anymore. You, you, can, you, you can basically put Todd Gurley in bubble wrap all you want to and just trot him out there enough you know, so that he's fresh enough to have a better impact. I think the Atlanta offense is going to be very strong again. The defense could be mediocre-ish. I got them at 8-8. Eight and eight. And uh, listen, that may not be enough to get Dan Quinn another year in 2021, but based on what's on the roster, based on the division they're in, I think it would be unfair to fire him for that. Well, we're very close. Um, we see it similarly. I have them at 9-7 and um, third in the division. And um, they've got a lot of weapons there at wide receiver. Obviously, Gurley helps them in the backfield. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Matty Ice is is stable. Um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna move that offense, and uh, they're gonna miss Hooper uh, at the tight end position. So they're gonna have to you know there's gonna have to be some slack picked up there. Um, Oh, they're a talented team with a bunch of question marks still on defense. To your point, you know, the defensively, are they going to be like the 22nd rated defense or something? Um, Fowler off the edge, maybe a nice pickup. I don't know yet. Um, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and I'm, and I'm, and I'm pushing them over 500 to 9 and 7. But truly, I wanted to, I wanted to predict them at 0 and 16 just based on that fucking uniform redesign. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had an opportunity to do something amazing, and then they went and did that. Um, so I thought about penciling them in at 0-16 just to see if you know that could come true. Yeah. Uh, just based on the ATL uniforms. <laughs> um, you know, oh, are you an airport? You know, they better throw, Matty Ice better throw for 7,000 yards so they can say that they're air ATL. <laughs> and we can have all these, air, have all these airport uh, stories out of all the NFL press this year. Uh, otherwise, you know, ugh. Um, So I got them at 9-7. Uh, 
um, competing to the end for a playoff spot, you know, with those teams like the Vikings, um, you know, even those eight and eight Lions, and, um, you know, they'll be respectable. They're going to be a respectable team. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Right, they have too much offensive talent not to be, but if you don't like the ATL, and I will say too, as somebody who has close family down there and go travels there more than any other city, and I refer to it that way all the time, I better never hear you refer to living in the CLE, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, well, as you know, I don't like any of those made-up marketing uh, uh, names and and, and scams, as, as I, I think of them, you know, you know, like we're living in the land. No, one calls it the land. <laughs> I call it the there, land. There's no Cleveland who calls it the land. I mean, jeez. Well, um, I have some yeah, the land I mean, themed T-shirts from recent years. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, way to go, Cavs marketing. <laughs> make something a thing. <laughs> Because I, I regularly, especially when we have folks on from out of town on this show, I, I regularly refer to myself as a lifelong denizen of America's North Coast. I'm a big fan of the North Coast label. I like the North Coast label. Okay. I, I, I like that. Okay. As somebody who resides in a, in a neighboring North Coast county to you, yep. I know that my county extends all the way to Canada. Right. Granted, most of it's under the water, <laughs> right. um, but it does technically extend all the way to Canada. Um, and so, uh, I, I like I like the North Coast. I, okay, I think that that's uh, apropos. So, okay, uh, you keep using you've got my permission. Well, thank you, thank you. So we we have consensus on the North Coast. Consensus, more or less, on what we think of the Atlanta Falcons for the year. And uh, we'll see if the era of good feelings extends to what we think of the Carolina Panthers for this year. Uh, I have significant questions about this roster uh, and some of the holes that are there. They're going to miss Luke Keekley, even though he was hit and miss as far as being in there in recent years because of his injuries. And I think he's still a Hall of Famer, even with a truncated career. But the Matt Rule effect coming in here, this guy is uh, one of these genius guys where I, I think it works at just about any level. And uh, as such, a team that 
Uh, I, I wouldn't normally be inclined to say it would be doing better than last year, which is the, the record that got Ron Rivera fired. I've got him at a respectable 8-8, eight and eight, even in football's toughest division in my estimation. I think uh, the creativity, the spark that you're going to see there offensively, and everything Matt Rule brings to that locker room, I think this is going to be the beginning of a turnaround in Carolina, at least relatively speaking. I like the Matt Rule hire. I like how they're trying to re-position uh, themselves in terms of the roster. They're just not there yet. Uh, losing Luke Keekley is a real blow. And um, I-, I will tell you, though, I like the Bridgewater signing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, again, serviceable, quality quarterback, going to keep him in games. I mean, hell, I I, I uh, I, I love McCaffrey coming out of Stanford, and I still love that guy. Um, and so, you know, I think when you've got guys like that, you're going to compete, um, and uh, you know they're going to they're going to have a, a, an opportunity. Uh, I still think there's just too many holes on this roster to be an eight and eight type of team. Um, so. I, I don't. I don't feel as good about them as you do. I think there's going to be some growing pains in the Matt Rule beginning uh, of this regime, and um, I've got them at uh, six and ten. And um, again, decent team, not great. They're going to be competitive. Um, I love. You know, again, I like. I mean, I like their draft. I mean, the, I mean. Jeremy Chin, I was huge. I was really big on, and uh, so I like where they're going. I just they got a ways to go. They're not there yet. The wide receivers, uh, the holes on defense, still, still, you know, going to be relying on too many rookies. Um, you know, there's some 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 weak links on that offensive line. I just. I can't get them above 500. I'm giving some. I'm giving a little benefit of the doubt. You know, I mean, normally as a team like this, if it wasn't for Bruce Arians and uh, Christian McCaffrey, I'd have them at like four and twelve. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm throwing in a couple extra games in there and saying six and ten because of those those players. Um, they'll keep them uh, competitive this year. Well, CMC is not just the best fantasy back this year. Uh, but uh, really one of the best players in the league, regardless of uh, position, because of all the ways that he can help your offense, both through the air and on the ground. So, yeah, I, I think Matt Rule is really going to weaponize him. And, uh, again, th- there's a thing, too, where even if, uh, you know, and God forbid that uh, Bridgewater goes down, uh, they have a very good insurance policy in P.J. Walker. I have to say, I find this a little baffling, and as a guy that was a major Houston Renegades honk this past winter, uh, P.J. Walker, DeBell of DeBall, coming off of the XFL season, and, you know, Bridgewater was able to make hay as Drew Brees is back up there uh, in New Orleans. I, I wonder why he would have gone to a situation. I know, I know how much he achieved with Matt Rule in college. I understand that. But I wonder if he's going to get enough of a chance to show what he can do in a backup capacity to make himself marketable even elsewhere. There's no glide path to this guy becoming a starter in Carolina, signs the unexpected happening with Tenny Bridgewater. So I just found that decision to sign there a little head-scratching. 
Yeah, I like PJ Walker as a developmental quarterback, but man, I don't want to. I don't want to push him into service this year, right? Uh, at all, and uh, I want to see Brick Block play sixteen games, stay healthy, and manage that offense. Um, and, and I and, and I don't, I don't, I don't want it to sound like I think Bridgewater is a you know a game manager. Uh, I thought of Bridgewater as a, and, and if you recall, a guy I wanted the Browns to take, not Menzel. Me too, me too. We were uh, vocal. We were very vocal. We were both very vocal because uh, I liked him coming out of college. I didn't think, you know, again, that he was, you know, all world or anything, but he was going to be that B-plus quarterback. I still think he can be that. And um, I, 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 I view him as game manager plus. Does that make any sense? No, I, th- um, I think so. He's a little bit more than a game manager, but he's, um, um, you know, he's not a guy that, you know, he's not he's not that Aaron Rodgers kind of, you know, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes carry, you know, a team sort of guy. He's a he's he's game manager plus. That's kind of how I do it. And um, he's not going to make mistakes. He's going to be a good leader. He'll run your offense the way you want him to. Um, it's just going to be just not quite, you know, the elite quarterback type of thing. But he's still a damn good quarterback. Um, I would hate to see P.J. Walker uh, pushed into service uh, this year at all. If that happens, you've got to downgrade the Panthers' uh, uh, win total. No, you do. Uh, from, from six from the six games that I've got them at. Right. And in the years to come, once the crowds return to college game day, instead of seeing the signs that said, is Joe Flacco elite, question mark, you'll be seeing signs that say, is Teddy Bridgewater elite, question mark, because he is in that <laughs> nether world. <laughs> and as far as P.J. Walker... Hey, and I always like Teddy more than Flacco. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, me too. And as far as P.J. Walker went, I guess more to my point was uh, I was thinking... Sign behind Drew Brees. Sign behind Ben Roethlisberger. Sign behind uh, Philip Rivers. You've already been in Indianapolis. They already know you there. So I, I was thinking sign to a place where you can become the heir apparent, which does not exist in Carolina. That was just my thought on him. Oh, no, no. I, I, and, and I agree with that sentiment, 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting decision. Uh, but uh, any, anything he gets to show on a backup capacity... Working under Matt Rule, he'll at least make himself marketable for another team. So this is, uh, as you and I agreed, a very, very interesting NFC South uh, division and very powerful, uh, very, very difficult. And the division that, based on some of the records that we're projecting, I think we're projecting them to do very well, disproportionately well in their non-divisional games this year. So look out, everyone else, when you got to play the NFC South. Thank you, Chris Galloway, uh, for this segment here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Up next, it's Part 8, the finale of our series for 2020. We'll get at the 2020 NFC West.